Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, Northern Trust DraftKings picks and preview. I would recommend that everyone join the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League on DraftKings. You can find the link in the description to this podcast or Facebook video. If you're on YouTube, there will be a link down there in the description and comment section to join. And this redirect you to a place where you can actively click the link that won't get us banned from YouTube. So boom, only 3,500 spots and it is filling very quickly. The 3,000 filled before the end of Tuesday last week. I would expect around the same this week. So if you do want to play, get in immediately. Go reserve a spot, even if you don't want to fill out a team. Just go, go do that right now. Also, if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, few ways to do so. Smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Give me your two favorite plays below. $7,000 this week at the Northern Trust. That, subscribe, rate, and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, preferably iTunes, to get up to 2,000 reviews before the commencement of football season. Uh, five-star review, DraftKings handle something nice about the show. Boom, you're also in the draw for 20 DK bucks. Winners announced on next Monday show. Joining me to break down the <coughs> Northern Trust, it is a man who is choking on his lunch. It is from DK Live, Jeff Ulrich. What's up? Sorry, Matt. I, I thought I hit the mute button right before I did that, and the timing was poor. Well, it just sounds like you're a heavy smoker. Not true, but yeah, I guess we could make that up. Are, are you going to pull through this? Like, do you, Are you like Chris Farley when he was one of the I'm, dub airs I'm good. guys? I, just, I drank a bunch of like... Perrier water right before, and it's like bubbling in my chest, but I think it's all good now. I'm set. Next, next hour should be good. Oh, did I tell you that I'm going to be on the grounds Wednesday at Liberty National getting like breaking updates from the course? Really? This is good news and lucky for you because it looks like a beautiful course. I mean, overlooking the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Feinberg and I discussed this on Monday show about like what the best like scenery is for any course that you know, the pros actually go to in the world and we kind of narrowed it down to this one and that one in dubai where you see the entire city although the one in kuala lumpur looks pretty cool too yeah i mean there's probably some like really really cool ones like internationally obviously if you want to expand it but as far as pga events go i mean i, I forgot how nice this one was because we, we only had to see it like every few years but yeah just looking at the the course pictures and and how open it is because you kind of think of tree line venues when you think of like New York courses, but this one's just wide open. It's like a link style venue and it just overlooks like the heart of New York. It's amazingly cool. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to be awesome. Throw some pictures up there on the old Twitter machine for us. Yeah, there, there we are. I'm going to see if I can get Instagram famous by tweeting selfies of me in the statue and Liberty off the background. We'll see how that works out. Or if I remember to do it, probably won't, but I'll have a good gauge of, you know, if I get to talk to any of the players, see how they're feeling. I bet you they'll all tell me you should bet on me this week. We'll see if that's the case or not. But like even judging, like there's an intermediate rough between the fairway and the fest, you to see how thick that's going to be, how penal that might be. It might be nice to have some firsthand experience. Can't hurt, right? 
Green, green spades and rough. I mean, it, it changes year to year. So, I mean, I, I'd like if I, if I was able to go to every event and see and, and check it out as far as helping my betting, I probably would. Obviously that's impossible unless you're a bazillionaire, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, an advantage for sure. So any kind of information like that. And also like, you know, go to the driving range, check out a few guys, uh, see who's uh, anyone's nursing injuries, things like that. Lord knows the PGA never upstate in, updates injuries for us. So those are things uh, I think would be beneficial. So what we're seeing right now is the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. 125 players have qualified for the Northern Trust, but only 122 will be playing. No Paul Casey, no Henrik Stenson, no Sam Burns, everyone else. They're in the field. They're up on DraftKings. They're good to go. So what are you looking for in terms of what you, A, what you expect from this course, and B, some of the key stats? Yeah, so, I mean, this is the 22nd hardest course back in 2013, um, played to an over-par scoring average. So I don't think it's going to play like U.S. Open tough, but I am expecting more of a, like a much more of a tee to green test than we saw last week, obviously. Um, Adam Scott won here in 2013. He's 32nd strokes game putting, but he was basically top five in all the, the key metrics for ball striking, strokes game tee to green. He was second for the week. Um, he, he described it more as a second shot course. I think that's kind of accurate to me. It looks like at least uh, just from the course views and, and for what I saw in the stats that the fairways are pretty easy to hit here. Like Adam Scott hit 75% of the fairways is generally not that accurate off the tee. Um, a lot of other players kind of the same way. So I think it's a little bit of an advantage to the bombers this week. It might not be a huge advantage, but I think it's going to probably play as slightly easier to hit fairways. And then they really do have smaller greens here. It's small bent grass greens. Um, so I think it's going to end up more as, as a ball striking test than a, a just like a birdie fest like we saw last week. Yeah, when they played in 2013, that intermediate cut of rough that I talked about between the fairway and the fescue was cut down pretty low. That even if you did miss the fairway, it wasn't the end of the world. You could play your second shot pretty easily out of it. But you kind of hit on it. These are very, very, very small greens. I mean, they're larger than like Pebble Beach greens, but I think 4,300 is the average square footage of each of these out here. Obviously, they you know, change yeah. hole to hole, but by and large, they're much smaller than your typical um, course that you're going to see on the PGA Tour. So T to green, especially ball striking. Even when I went back and looked at the numbers from 2013, strokes game, ball striking per round, that's off the tee plus approach, was almost doubly weighted into the top five finishers as short game around the green and putting. So like Adam Scott didn't even gain a stroke putting when he won here in 2013. So I'm not, I mean, that can always change someone with a hot putting. We can come out of nowhere, but I think you're pretty safe just to go with your Supreme ball strikers and hope the chips fall where they should. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you kind of nailed it from what I saw too. I mean, he, he almost lost strokes putting for the week and still won. And, and the guys behind him were much better. Like it was, it was a similar story. So it wasn't just one anomaly. It was very much, uh, you, you either hit the ball well, ball striking, or you just didn't compete kind of thing um I, i'm expecting pretty similar stuff i mean i haven't seen or heard any major changes to the course obviously um I, you know it's, it's an open venue too so that's the other thing i mean the wind could get up the weather could get bad and then it could even emphasize ball striking even more so definitely uh a week where you know it, birdie or better percentage uh putting things like that i'm just looking at t to green stats 
Yeah, see, I weighted um, approach and off the tee equally this way. Actually, now I gave a bit of a 5% lean to approach when I did my custom stat modeling on Fantasy National. But, like, I have approach up at 25%. I have off the tee at 15%. But then I also weighted driving distance at 5%. So I, I do want that factored in just at least a little bit. I don't necessarily want to go pure bomber here and make that the only thing that matters. But I think that weighting off the tee versus anything else, like they both fairways and distance get weighted into off the tee but i want to give special emphasis to those guys that just hit a little bit longer like there are five par fours that measure more than 450 yards this week and they're five of the six hardest holes on the course the longer you can hit the ball out there the easier presumably those holes are going to be and that's how it played out in 2013 i mean i'm scott averaged 299 off the tee the average uh, for the field was like 291 justin rose was second similar story gary woodland was up there i mean these are all people who they're good ball strikers, but they also have a little bit more distance. And, and when they're hitting it consistently, it, it's it's the advantage that's going to play out. So those are the exact type of players you should be looking for. It, it's not necessarily you just want to emphasize the bombers. It's got to be the bombers who are going to keep it in the fairway and also do well on approach. So that's the mix you're looking for. Obviously, it, it's not necessarily easy to find these players, but um, those are definitely, you know, uh, top of my list this week. So as it pertains to DraftKings strategy for the week in building these lineups, 122 players in the field, top 70 in ties make the cut per normal, but you have so many elite players here. It's a very, very stacked field. It's one of the toughest of the year. Do you, obviously you're going to need the six of six through the cut line. That's for one. And I remember, I think the last time that we had mentioned this was colonial. I want to say where you have these shrunken fields. It's like, Oh, well, it doesn't even really matter about six of six. You have to get six of six uh, through, but you play it almost like a WGC where you just roll the dice along the way. And hopefully your chalk guys, your expensive guys aren't the ones to miss the cut. And then that week, like five guys missed the cut who were all super chalk and like contrarian was the way to play it. It's going to be tough to gauge a lot of the ownerships coming in. Like, if we go to the top of the actual pricing, Brooks is up there. He's $12,000 coming off the win at the WGC. Like, what do we do with Brooks? Like, that's an awful lot to pay, especially when you start getting down. Like, there's guys you can find in the $6,000 area, sure. But do you think that he's going to end up being popular at that price point? Because I still think he might be. He might not be. I, I personally think it, it's a mistake that if he isn't, um, just because, like you mentioned, obviously we have some some guys in, in the 6K range. And the thing about this field is it's the top 125 golfers, right? So you're not getting like these scrubs who are like 300 or, or like 3,000 3, in the world filling out the last five slots of the field. Or you have like some random like alternate or, or Monday qualifier filling out the last slots. It's the top 125 golfers. I mean, like, just scroll down. I mean, is there really any much that much difference between some of these guys and, and then the players at 7K? I mean, recent form-wise, sure, there's a little bit, but talent-wise, the, the difference between the, the low 6K guys and the low 7K guys isn't as big as it normally is, in my opinion. So I think it's actually a really good week to load up on a guy like Brooks, even though he is expensive, um, and mainly because Brooks is playing so well too, right? So in my mind, it's kind of like a perfect storm. You have those better scrub players to mix in with Brooks now, and then because he's so expensive, he might actually be under owned too. So I really like Brooks at the top. Um, I just feel like his form is so good. Um, he might actually be a little bit lesser owned because he's actually cracked 12K and there's scrubs to play with him. So I, I'm all over Brooks. 
Uh, the five guys that are over $10,000 in terms of pricing. We mentioned Brooks. He is 12000 on the dot. Rory is the next expensive at eleven four. Then DJ at ten seven. Rom at ten four. Then Justin Thomas. They keep pricing my guy up. He's $10,000 on the dot. I love Justin Thomas. I have a feeling he's going to be one of the more popular players of the week. Maybe he learned how to putt after taking the week off, although he did gain strokes putting at the WGC for the first time since the Genesis Open in February, so that's always encouraging to see. It's not like the TD Green game has gone anywhere. We talk about some of these courses where you need to perform really well on par fours. Your irons need to be dialed in. That is the case for Justin Thomas right now. I think he's my favorite guy, like, per his price point, above the $10,000 range, but, like, would you go to Dustin despite the fact that he's struggling? Do you just bite on Rory knowing that Brooks is probably going to be higher-owned? I mean, if, if I was making, again, if, if we're doing like MME, if I was making 50 lineups, um, I would be more overweight Rory than I would Dustin. Um, I'm not saying I'd be overweight the field necessarily, but I, between the two, I would take Rory over Dustin. Um, I, I, I'm just not, Dustin just really hasn't done anything in, in, in recent form to just make me say, oh yeah, the, the change is coming or he's really close. He just seems to be struggling a bit with a couple facets of his game. And that's just what it is. I mean, off the tee, he's still 100% fine. But again, this course boils down to a little bit more as you get closer to the green. I think that's a little bit of a concern for me. Um, Rory, in, in much closer form, obviously, we saw him almost win at, at uh, WGC Memphis. So um, ball striking-wise, I think Rory is much closer on this course. I would I would rather go down to Rom or Thomas, though. Um, like, if you're asking me whether I would be overweight on, like, the grouping of McRoy or, or Dustin, I would just be more overweight on the cheaper guys like Rom and Thomas. So strokes gained tee to green-wise, they're, they're – almost up there with Rory. Um, they're probably been better than Dustin and they're cheaper. It's pretty much that simple. So um, I'm not quite as big on Thomas as you. Um, I, I do like some guys in the nine K range over him, but um, I definitely get it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. He's past six tournaments or whatever. He's probably, if not the top of the field, he's top three strokes gained Tita green. I would imagine I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but he's trending in the right direction. Um, Maybe not like the best playoff record ever, but he does have a – actually, there was that one year he basically won the FedEx Cup, so I shouldn't say that. But um, maybe just not as in good recent form as he has been in, in coming into the playoffs those recent years. So the only big differentiator that I see, I'm looking at the past 24 rounds right now, and the plurality of the approach shots are going to come from beyond 200 yards, at least for the field. Maybe that's not going to be the case for the Brookses and DJs and Roy's of the world who really get it out there. But the only one that ranks inside the top 10 in proximity gain from beyond 200 yards over the past 24 rounds of all these guys is Brooks. The rest of them are like field average, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it doesn't shock me too much. I mean, uh, Brooks is is pretty solid in pretty much every facet of his game. So, I mean, long iron approach, you can definitely uh, take that into consideration. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I, I I'd say a guy like Fleetwood, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he's up there. But uh, again, I don't have those exact stats in front of me. It is again, like you said. I mean, the the way the the course breaks down, there's a lot of those longer holes. It's only a par seventy one, so you're not getting four par fives out there or or a ton of easy scoring holes even. So. Um, ball striking going to be at a premium um, again that little extra distance off the tee and, and a little bit of extra accuracy is probably going to go a long way this week so um, yeah I, I guess maybe you could even overemphasize uh, off the tee a little bit more if, if you're not finding any differentiators from approach but um, long approach that's uh, definitely something to look at so if you only had to pick two guys from above ten thousand dollars I'm going to go with Brooks and JT and probably leave the rest on the scrap heap I only plan on playing like 20 lineups I would probably lean Rom over over um, Justin Thomas. I just it's I feel like John Rom is just he's just been too consistent this year, 
and trending too well in the major championships to just overlook, to, to, to give JT the nod. Um, I know JT's stats look really good over the last few events, but he's just had trouble getting over that hump to get, really get himself in contention. It feels like we're as Rom as just putting himself in contention every week in these bigger events. So um, I, I personally would lead Rom over a JT, but it is, I, I admit, it, it's, it's pretty close between them. Ownership-wise, I'm not sure who's, who's going to come out on top. I imagine Justin Thomas because um, yeah, maybe he's just got a little bit more positive like vibes around him. People don't remember the blow-ups because Rom, they always get the, the camera on Rom whenever he's talking to himself or whatever, and he's a little bit cheaper. So um, I, I do like Rom for ownership perspective uh, with the possibility he might get owner, lower ownership. Yeah, that's an interesting debate to have. Maybe it's something to look at on Wednesday when you log into yeah. Fantasy National, click on ownership projections. If JT is going to be like more than double what Rom is, it might be a safe bet to move yourself onto Rom. I think people are just frustrated with Justin Thomas, though. Like, if you're a casual player going through this and you're not just looking at like T to green numbers and you're just looking at results, it's not like Thomas has been, you know, good. Well, I mean, if you're play, if you're just talking DraftKings, I mean, he's been fine. I mean, he's he's getting you top twelves every week. I mean, it's not, and it's not like you haven't been paying a you've been paying a premium for Justin Thomas. It's not like we've been seeing eleven thousand dollars Justin Thomas, right? It's it's actually this is might be his most expensive that he's been over the last four tournaments. But um, regardless, he's he's been consistent. He's been producing. It's it's probably the people who've been chasing him on the outrights who who are a little bit frustrated because he hasn't quite been getting there. But um, you know, 10K, the price is up a little bit. That might turn some people off, but he's pretty much where he should be in this. I mean, I don't think he's overvalued. I don't think he's necessarily like a bargain because you do have Justin Rose sitting there behind him. But um, pricing wise, it's fine. It might actually keep it, the fact he's at right at 10K. I, th I don't think he's going to be overly popular. I, I think he could be more popular than Rom, like I said, but I don't think, like you said, um, he's necessarily at a point where he's just going to be super, super. But no, the sentiment could change and there could be like every every like mouthpiece like you and I are going to talk about Justin Thomas this week. We don't really know yet. We'll wait till Wednesday. But um, if that happens and, and his ownership gets up, it does. But I don't think personally, I don't see him being like the most popular player this week. Uh, in the 9K range, Tommy Fleetwood kicks it off at $9,800. Then you have Justin Rose right behind him, the reigning FedEx Cup champion. Then you got Hot Fire Webb Simpson, 94, Ricky at 93, Patrick Cantlay, 92, Kucher, 91, and Tiger at an even $9,000. Every metric I look at, everything that is trending in the right direction, every trend about the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs where the past four winners have come inside the top 10 of FedEx Cup scoring. You know, 10 of the past 12 winners ever of the first playoff event have been ranked top 25 in the world. Patrick Cantlay is setting up to be the highest owned guy on this slate. He looks to me like the best play on this slate. He's one of the better values on this slate. I like him outright to win. Do we get to a point where he's too popular? Because I, I can't imagine that he's going to get up to like 30% ownership. I would say he's probably somewhere in the 20s and I, I like him a lot here. Yeah, you know, I I was doing I started research last night and I really felt like I was going to get up and I was probably going to end up betting Cat Patrick Cantlay too. And I started to dive into the guys around this range more and 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 like just in the in the odds and I I got to say I I think I like Ricky Fowler more than Patrick Cantlay this week. Um I, I feel like the the trend with Ricky is is better right now with Patrick Cant than Patrick Cantlay. I know Ricky obviously took off Memphis so we don't have as much recent data but you know, Cantley's ball striking wasn't that great at the Open Championship. wasn't that great at Memphis either. Whereas Ricky, if you actually go and dive into the Open stats, his ball striking was pretty good. Like he was up there in greens and regulation almost to the extent that Shane Lowry was. Um, he's got a win on the year, which 
if you look and go back at the last six winners, uh, the last six winners of the, um, the Barclays of the Northern Trust, they've all had four of the last six have had a, a regular season win on the, on the year. And then you also look at like recent form in the last majors. I mean, Ricky was T6 at the Open Championship. Most of the winners of this week's events, uh, they were like top 15 at the year's last major. So um, I would actually say the trend is in Ricky's favor here to have a bigger week. Other thing about Ricky, he's played... I think it's 17 playoff events over since 2014. He's top 10 in nine of them. So um, guy's been a really good playoff performer. Um, I would not be shocked at all if, if, if Fowler uh, outperformed Cali this week. Hey, it's really funny. Looking back at the past 24 rounds, you have to parse that data. Who did they compete against? Why, why is Martin Laird popping up so highly? It's, well, he didn't play at the tough events. He played at the really easy events. Therefore, he's gaining more strokes against weaker competition. Tiger is the most difficult one to figure out because he ranks out really highly in all the key stats. He's top 10 in all the metrics that you want to look at, but... He's played, what, like seven times this year? And most of those are non-measured events. So now you're taking back, like, his hot run towards the end of last year, too, and factoring that in. But he's played this course twice. He's come second at this course twice. I have a feeling that he's not going to be super-duper popular this week. I kind of like him. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on the same boat. Obviously, when, when you're looking at Tiger, you've got to make... I don't want to say it like a gut call, but you you have to kind of, you can't just look at the stats from like, like you said, we just don't have enough recent form data here to really make like a, an educated judgment, in my opinion, anyways, just based on on stats. So you, you've got to kind of make the call. I mean, do, do you feel like Tiger is, is going to be up for this run in the FedEx Cup? Do you feel like he's he's kind of, you know, over his master's hangover, so to speak? And, and then, like you said, I mean, you look at the course history here. I mean, twice a, a runner up play, you know, obviously likes the course has, has played well, like obviously he's played well in the FedEx cup playoffs, but he's just, he's been really consistent in the FedEx cup playoffs, even when he's not like been in his like elite run form. I mean, even when he was like semi good tiger, like in the, in the 2010 kind of 2015 range, he always seemed to show up in the playoffs, obviously got his first win back at the tour championship last year. I like the spot for tiger too. Um, and, and I mean, I'm looking at that range, like, I think Tiger Woods has way more upside than, than Matt Kuchar anyways. I also look at Xander Shoffley, who might be popular at under 9K because he's, he's, you know, people are just chomping their, at the bit here and get him at that price. You know, Xander Shoffley ball striking really hasn't been that good over the last three or two or three events. So um, I'm looking at Tiger here is definitely in play this week. And you could be right. People just might be fed up and be like, ah, he's, he's taking the rest of the year off. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I, I, don't, I think Tiger might be up for a little bit of an end of season run here. So that leaves Fleetwood, Rose, Webb, who has three runners up in his past five starts. So that's pretty yeah. good news for Webb. And his long approaches have been absolutely dialed in second in this field yeah. uh, in strokes gained in proximity from beyond 200 yards. So, And he's not a long hitter, so he's going to be having plenty of strokes. And the putter has just been so fire. He's averaging like positive six strokes game putting over the course of his past four events. That's really difficult to keep up, but it's not like the ball striking has been bad either. He's just playing incredibly well right now. And then Kuchar is the other guy. Like, I'm going to have... Can't lay. I'm going to have Tiger if I add a third person to this mix. Maybe I don't need to because I, although you might not like Xander because of the recent form, I'm going to be in on Xander because I think everyone's going to gravitate towards Adam Scott. And as a wedge play, Xander might actually just kind of follow in there along with Tiger. But you would go Ricky over like Webb and Rose and Fleetwood and Kuchar because I'm kind of stuck between Fleetwood and Fleetwood and Rose right now, which guy that I would rather have. It's yeah. I, the Webb Simpson thing is I'm glad I brought it up because I wanted to talk about it. Like, 
obviously on most weeks we're, we're looking at Webb Simpson at 9,400 and Justin Rose at 9,600. It's really hard for me to play Webb Simpson over Justin Rose when they're basically the same price. And I know Webb's, Webb's form is just fire right now. I still think I'd play Justin Rose. Um, Rose has been a good playoff performer. Again, we're, we're switching surfaces here for Webb, which worries me a little bit about the putter because a lot of his best putting, uh, especially late, been on Bermuda. Obviously, the last two events, Bermuda Greens. So um, could it could be a little bit of a factor. You mentioned just the change in course, too. He's going to have a lot of long approaches. He's someone who's definitely not going to like be gaining an advantage off the tee, even if he is hitting fairways. Um, a guy like Rose is just longer off the tee, and if he, he hits it with the same accuracy as Webb, um, Webb's behind the eight ball, like every hole to Justin Rose or not every hole, but you know, the longer par fours for sure. So, um, it, it's just really hard for me to take Webb. I know the form is great and, and the, it, he probably deserves to be priced up there. Um, I'd still go Justin Rose. Um, I, I do like Fowler, like I said, over Calais, especially with the ownership. Um, so for me, it would be, it would be Rose Fowler and, and probably Tiger from this range. So it's funny when you talk about the bent grass as it pertains to Webb Simpson, because we know he's done so much damage on Bermuda. I went back and looked yeah. at all the events that he's played. The Masters was the last time that he played on bent grass. Before that was the kickoff for his swing season at the Shriners. The guy just doesn't play bent grass courses ever. Yeah, yeah. that is interesting. Yeah, because I didn't look that up. Um, I, does it, maybe just, I don't, I don't know if that's like a conscious thing or if it's just like, he just does so well on Bermuda and, and he knows his course. I mean, most PGA professionals don't necessarily go around picking courses like that. I assume they don't anyways, but maybe Webb does. It, it, it's interesting um, that, that you noted that. Cause I did, I did look up a lot of the bent grass like histories for, for the guys. I didn't get to Webb though. So um, yeah, that is interesting. He did do well at the masters this year. Though, so. He did. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I thought the Wells Fargo for a minute might be bent, but it's not, it's Bermuda. So Quail Hollow, his home course. So that's probably why it's Bermuda. And he got them to change it all for them. Yeah. I think that used to be bent and then it switched to Bermuda when they had the PGA Championship. Yeah, that's right. Actually, they did switch the greens out. So there you go. Uh, looking back at the past 24 rounds, these greens have historically President's Cup 2003 and 2009 played firm and fast. If I just sort by greens that are fast on the stint meter and look at strokes game putting, it spits me out. Billy Horschel, Ricky Fowler, Cameron Champ, Jason Day, <laughs> Graham McDowell, Brian Gacy, woo, Kim. Patrick Rogers, Wyndham Clark, Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, and Cameron Smith would be the best in the field on fast green. So maybe there is something to your your Ricky Fowler love this week. I'm curious to see where he shakes down. I'm not off of Ricky Fowler by any means. I'm just trying to parse through whether he's the guy I want to take. So I, I am going to take Cantley. I'm in yeah. on that. And look, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to say like Cantley is a bad play. Cause like, I, like I said, I mean, I, I woke up and I was like, I, I really do think Cantley is the play. I just like Ricky a little bit more. I mean, Cantley won a Memorial, like he, he's got really good bent grass stats too. I mean, he, he almost won the masters on bent. So uh, I, I also think the Memorial is like a good corollary course. Ricky's got a really good record there too. Um, so, uh, you know, nothing against Patrick Cantley. We're talking small edges here. I just think that with the ownership and with the just recent trend over the last three weeks. I think Ricky's coming in with, with better form than people realize. And I do like him a little bit over Cantlay, but look, Cantlay's fine. Like I, I understand why people like him this week. There's good reason. Uh, early projections, obviously this is most definitely going to change. That's why you need to be a member at Fantasy National to track this as the week goes along and more people start submitting their picks and generating their lineups. But early returns have Cantlay at 22% and Webb at 19% in this range. Oh, how, what did you say Cantlay was? 20? 20, 20, actually 23, 22.9%. And those are the two most popular, Webb and Cantlay? Yeah, and then it's Rose, and then like Kuchar and Tiger coming in at single digits. 
Yeah. Is, should we just be playing Kucher? Yeah, probably. I mean, the, the, actually, uh, the thing about Kucher is too, like, is he like first in what like FedEx got? I mean, this is like Matt Kucher's time to shine, right? Like all the money's on the table. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should be just be playing Matt Kucher. And even looking at his numbers, obviously he's not a bomber like the other guys that we mentioned. He's a better driver of the ball than Webb Simpson in terms of keeping it accurate and a bit long. Webb can be a bit of a sprayer yeah. from time to time. But Matt Kucher has gained in every single tournament in he lost strokes on approach at the tournament of champions 0.3 strokes on approach and lost three at memorial he's gained on approach in every other tournament he's played this year yeah it's been a really good year for matt kuchar i mean a couple of baubles at the majors where he didn't could have got himself in contention and didn't but otherwise i mean yeah just just remarkably consistent it it is interesting i mean if webb simpson at 9400 is going to be double digits like 20 push 20 percent and Matt Kuchar is going to be single I don't I honestly don't know how you can go Webb Simpson I mean and even if Justin Rose is like just a few percent lower than Webb Simpson again I just don't know how you can go there and again it's nothing against Webb Simpson it's just different course different fields um uh, yeah he's just getting such good leverage with with going with Kuchar at, at that lesser like half the ownership so um definitely keep an eye on that all right, so if we go top two from the 9K range, I'm going Cantlay, then I'm going Tiger, and then we're going to figure out who the other person is going to be for me. It's probably going to end up being a pivot play. And if Kuchar's yeah. going to be the lowest owned, then it might be Kuchar. If it has to be Ricky Fowler, because he's coming in low owned, it's going to be him. I don't really have much to go with to separate a lot of these guys rather than gut feeling and maybe just let the ownership dictate who the third play. If I end up playing a third guy here, maybe I don't need to. Depends on how yeah. I construct the rest of my roster. I don't love the 8Ks, so maybe another 9K guy could be where it's at uh who would it be for you i like a, an extra 9k guy yeah uh i'd probably go up to fleetwood if i could uh a little bit expensive but again a player i was looking at I, interesting you brought him up in, in, ter- in terms of like the bent grass putting uh pretty good stats but he's just been so consistent off the tee you, you know you're not going to get in trouble he's got a little bit more length than guys like kuchar and simpson too so yeah, I did. Fleetwood was a guy I looked at. He's still a little bit overpriced for DraftKings, but um, just in terms of, you know, you got guys like Rose underneath him and, and Fowler. But um, I, I still really do like him this week, too. Uh, the players currently inside the top 10 of the FedEx Cup standings coming in. This is where four of the past winners of this event have come from. Uh, Brooks, Rory, Kucher, Xander, Woodland, Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, Paul Casey, who's not playing, Webb Simpson, and John Rahm. Uh, if people were curious about who those guys are going to be. When we get into the 8Ks, Xander is 8,900. I love Xander this week. We're back on bent. Always puts better on bent. He loves these big boy events. He's a long, straight driver of the ball. Uh, unless he just really has a letdown with his putter or his short game, and hopefully he's not missing too many greens, that I just think he's a really nice value and bet at 8,933 to one. After that, you get into Adam Scott, who's going to be immensely popular because he is every week. Molinari, Bryson, Morikawa, Hideki, Finau, Day, Reed, Horschel, Spieth is the entire 8,000 range. I like Xander, I like Bryson, and I really like Billy Horschel this week. Yeah, I mean... 
I like Billy Horschel too. I don't. I wouldn't say I go really like him just because he's, he's priced up to eight. Yeah, he, he is. Like he and Gary Woodland are probably the two most mispriced players in this field. Woodland just is way too low at seventy eight hundred yeah. bucks, where Horschel should probably be like seventy six. But he's playing really well coming in. He is back to back top tens. Yeah. And again, I mean, one of them was at a WGC. That's nice. One was at the Wyndham against a bunch of nobodies. But he still has five top twenty finishes in his past seven starts as well, and he's driving the ball well. His irons are smoking right now. And frankly, like there's no real stats to go behind it, but just gut feeling on Billy Horschel. This is the time of year when he starts playing well. He's won a FedEx cup. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not even gut feeling. You're you just got to look at his history. I mean, he, he, he's tuned it in. I mean, this is, this is his time to shine too. I mean, it's seasonal thing. I don't know what it is, but, and the thing about Billy, when he, when he gets in this, these grooves, they usually last for, for four or five tournaments. Sometimes he pulls a win out of it too. Right. So. No, I mean, again, like I definitely don't like, I definitely play him over Spieth until I'm that much. Um, I'd probably play him over Patrick Reed too, just because I, I feel like off the tee, Billy Horschel, a little bit more reliable player. So um, I, I don't want any part of Jason Day. I, I do really like Tony Finau this week. Um, a lot of the same reasons we've been talking about, just the change to Bentgrass, it, it's just good for Tony Finau. I, I feel like easier to hit fairways. Um, he might not have to hit driver that much. To, he can probably just hit three wood out there like 290 half the time and, and hit the fairways. And he, he's been striking it pretty well. I mean, he didn't have the greatest WGC Memphis, but uh, the ball striking numbers were fine. 11th off the tee, 10th approach. Um, played really well at the open, obviously, which is another good indicator coming in. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like getting Tony Fino at 8,300, especially if he's not going to be overly popular. See, I like Finau as well for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. The guy who is the ultimate leverage play and pivot play in the 8K range, I have projected at 4% right now, is Molinari. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is kind of funny that Adam Scott has like gotten popular again. He's, he's put up these good results in the majors, and it feels like he's, he's like doing the rug pull, and people still haven't realized it. Like, the, you know, the, obviously the, the horrible open and... So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we get from Adam Scott uh, this week. It, it's it's kind of hard to guess because he's kind of like Tiger. He just doesn't play that much anymore. So we don't, you know, it's like three weeks between starts here. And it's like we got small batches of of things to go off of. So um, obviously he's won at this course before. It was way back in 2013. But um, man, like if, if bad putter Adam Scott shows up and he's a little bit too inaccurate off the tee, I mean, this could go south fast again. So I got no love for, for Adam Scott. Uh, definitely, I agree on Xander. Like I said, the, talking small edges, Xander's been a little bit bad, poor, poorer on, on his ball striking over the last couple of events. Doesn't mean he's, he can't just pick it up. I agree 100%. I mean, this is, would not be shocked to see him pick it up uh, a lot this week. And he, you're getting really good price on him. So he would probably be, him and uh, Finau, definitely like at the top of my list for the AK range. Um, I agree on Molinari being a good pivot though. Um, yeah, absolutely. Molinari projects to be the lowest owned guy in this range where Hideki and Scott and Morikawa project to be the highest three. Yeah. Morikawa, I mean, again, like good players, but now you're pricing him alongside players like Matsuyama, Finau, Molinari. It's not just an automatic, oh, this guy's like the good hot young golfer and he's awesome. He's better than everyone in his range. Like it's just, it's not the case this week. I'm not saying he's not in play, but Again, you know, if he's going to push like double the ownership of Tony Finau or, or even like Molinari or someone like that, then you really got to start thinking about pivots because um, these are some quality players he's getting uh, priced up against. 
Uh, are you a, you say you don't want to play Spieth. Is there any case that could be made to you that Jordan Spieth is the play? Cause I don't know what that case would be at this point. Maybe he gains 28 strokes putting. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I got nothing with Jordan Spieth. It's just, it's nuts. I mean, look, I, the guy gained seven, over seven strokes around the green and putting and still uh, two, three rounds last week and still missed the cut in a weaker field event. I mean, um, look, guys can turn it around. If, if you want to take like 5% ownership, I don't even know if he's going to be that low on though. Um, Cause it's Jordan Spieth and he's AK this week. So I, I, I got cur- nothing. I, cur- uh, I, I currently have him projected at 3%. Oh, well, there you go. I, I, you I low ownership then. Hey, you'll get low ownership. Hey, I would guess that he probably comes in higher than that. Hiring isn't as simple as putting an ad in the paper or posting on a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow your business, it's important to reach the right candidate at the right time. That's where LinkedIn comes in. Think about me and the amount of messaging that I get through LinkedIn, the amount of job opportunities. I'd like to be able to take them all, but I cannot. But I do attract a lot of business through LinkedIn. Uh, Just being up there, being open and receptive to messaging has really helped me grow my business. And it can really help you too. Over 6 million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn and grow as professionals, and discover new job opportunities. In fact, LinkedIn members add 15 new skills to their profiles and apply to 35 jobs post every two seconds that's how they make sure your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and not soft skills to meet your role requirements things like collaboration work ethic adaptability linkedin does the legwork to match you with the most qualified candidates so you can focus on hiring the person who will transform your business to get 50 dollars off your first job post go to linkedin.com slash mayo again That's linkedin.com slash mayo to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Let's switch to the 7K range. And we have Lowry, the open champion. He's back. He's 70 to 1. He's 7,900. You got Louie. You got Ben Ann coming off a week where he almost won. Then you have Gary Woodland at $7,800. I don't understand this whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. So Gary Woodland, I mean, he's obviously mispriced. I mean, I... Everyone knows that, I think. And, and I think he is going to be popular. But dude, I, I just, and I know he's, he's like, he played well here in 2013. I know that the course sets up for him. I already, we already spoke about how well it sets up for him. I mean, um, you know, he can keep it in the fairways. He's one of the, he can be long and, and, and accurate. He can obviously light it up on approaches at these smaller greens. But like the recent form since he won is not good. And then he just had twins a, a few weeks ago. And, and whether you want to buy into this theory or not, but I mean, Cut's got to be a little bit exhausted, man. Like, well, he, well let, let, let's throw, let's throw as a, as a father of twins, let us know how that works. That, that's what I'm saying, man. Like it's, it's not a good scene. Like you're, you're exhausted. It's, it, it, it's big time trouble. Like it's, it's, it's not something I would go have twins be helping out the wife. And then just like a week later, be expecting to perform at the top of, you know, an athletic profession if I were actually athletic. Right. But so I, I get the the mispricing and and the good course fit, but I got I'm taking Benny on here over over Gary Woodland. Sorry, like if it, if it works out for Gary, great, and if it works out for people, great. But much rather play Benny on. Much rather play Ben Ann. Would you rather play Ann or Mark Leishman? Uh Benny on. Really? So you're just you're you're just drinking the Kool Aid with Ben Ann. I usually do that, and it never works out. I mean, you kind of got to. I feel like since that injury, he's been trending better and better, and, and he really finally put it together, the ball striking last week. His putting and around the green play has been great. Uh, his one big win, 
at the BMW PGA, came on pure bent grass greens. He almost won the Memorial on pure bent grass greens. Um, I like it. I, I really do. I feel, I feel like also we've seen players at this time of the year, like Billy Horschel back in 2014 and Leishman in 2017. They had these runner-up finishes, and then the next week they got it done. And I know the Wyndham's not technically part of the playoffs, but there's only three playoff events this year. So um, could see a, see a similar scenario with Benny Ann. I'm just saying. All right, so you've talked me into Ben Ann over Gary Woodland, so I'm going to be charging you. I'm going to be sending you an invoice <laughs> at the end of Sunday to get all my money back. What about Matthew Wolf? Like, we talk about Morikawa. He's yeah. going to be popular in the AK range. Like, Wolf seems kind of suited for this course. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, if, if we're talking about the, the two young guys together, I'd much rather play Matthew Wolf. He's cheaper. Um, th- there's more of a case where, you know, he's, he's in that range where you can at least uh, see that, you know, we, he's probably better than Ian Poulter at this point, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> so probably better than Rafa Cabrera-Bale, at least upside-wise. Um, the course should set up fairly well for him as long as he's not spraying it too much off the tee. Um, he should be able to club down at a few spots. So he's a hyper-aggressive player, so he might not. But um, if the driver's going, um, the upside is there. I mean, is, is he more of a GPP play? I wouldn't put him in a cash lineup probably. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 Mark Cower for me probably isn't in play at all just because I, I like too many other players in that range. But Wolf definitely is someone I'm going to look at. So the players that the stat modeling likes the best from the 7K range are kind of shocking. Shez Reevy is number nine. Joaquin Neiman is number three. And Brian Herman is number 12 in the key stats. I don't even know how much Brian Harmon. Yeah, 72. That's interesting. I mean, but when Brian Harmon gets it going, he, he does tend to compete. Uh, he's, he's been trending pretty well over the last little bit. Uh, I'll have to look at more into that. I, I definitely don't mind the price at 7,200. So... Um, I, I think a player to keep in mind for sure. Neiman doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, he's just played so well over the past couple months. Obviously, he, uh, he ended with a 63 last week. He'll probably be popular this week. Uh, I'm not sure where you guys got him for projections over there, but um, Ches Reeves interesting. I mean, um, this this could be a situation where Ches Reeves coming in, he's got a win under his belt, um, really accurate. Obviously, uh, with approaches to so the smaller greens, a good thing for Ches, and it could be a great pivot off Neiman this week. Yeah, so the highest owned guy I have is Neiman. I have him around 17%. Again, this is very early. There's days to make up for this. The other guy, Jason Kokrak, comes in hot. Chez Reevy, also projected for double-digit ownership, as is Rory Sabatini. It's funny, like, Sabatini's right next to Leishman, Wolf, Ann, and Woodland. He's projected to be higher owned, which just absolutely blows my mind. It might not even be the wrong play. It's just it's crazy to think about that way. It is, especially, like, if you had told us that at the start of the year, right? So... And look, I mean, I, I said I like Benny Ann over Leishman. I still like Mark Leishman, obviously. Uh, was was really fire with his approaches at, at uh, the last time out. Um, yeah, I, I definitely don't have a problem going to that play. I think he's uh, maybe a tad underpriced as well this week. So um, if Mark Leishman's going to be, you know, lesser owned than Sabatini, lesser owned than Woodland, uh, definitely another play uh, in that range. You can always go up to Louis too. I mean, his his approaches were, were really good at the, at the Open, and they were actually good at, at uh, Memphis as well. So... Um, obviously, you know, Louis Louis probably going to finish like T15 max and he might withdraw, but uh, you'll get low ownership. So there's a couple guys. I think if you're going to play chalk up top and you can figure out what the ownership is going to be, I think that's fine. I think this is the range where you can really diversify your lineup and really get away from some of the ownership. So let me get your hot takes on some of these pivot plays. Number one, 
Bubba Watson, who tends to play really well, although they're not the same courses for the Northern Trust, I always feel like they're similar types of courses. They're all kind of difficult, but, you know, easier than they would play at like a major championship scale. But he was T13 here in 2013, and he actually played pretty well in Memphis, too. Yeah, he played good in Memphis. Like, I mean, it was up there for a bit. Obviously, he didn't quite have enough to, to take over Brooks, but not many people do these days, so... Um, I, no, I, I like Bubba. Uh, he, he's been pretty good playoff performer over his career as well. Even when he comes in with like middling form, he's tended to at least put up solid results and get himself to East Lake. So I would expect similar stuff. I mean, he, he's, he's made the cut at the open championship. I think that's good. Obviously the top 10 in Memphis, good sign. I, I really do. I, I legitimately uh, like Bubba this week. So yeah. How about Sergio Garcia? Oh man. I mean, if you just, if you think about Sergio in your mind for a second, like what he's good at, this course seems perfect for him. Unfortunately, he's Sergio Garcia and the rest comes along with it. I mean, I'd like to make a case for him. And you're right. I mean, like, like ball striking wise, it's not, it's not like the worst season ever for, for Sergio or anything like that. He could certainly pick it up. It's just something going on with this guy. He seems to be like throwing clubs at his caddy now, like destroying (laughs) courses every week. So it worries me a little bit. Um, Maybe he'll get things turned around here. You're going to get lower ownership on him at 7,400. I think that's a good thing. But, um, you know, of these two players we just talked about, I'm going to take a chance with Bob over Sergio. All right. How about Lucas Glover, who was pretty popular last week, and then Spieth bailed him out from getting MDF by having the worst round of all time. Again, this does seem – I don't want to say this is like a U.S. Open-style course, but I think it's like an easier version of a U.S. Open style course, especially like the one that Lucas Glover won at Bethpage. I know that was 10 years ago, but he's just having a really good year. And even T.D. Green, for the year, he's inside the top 20. Yeah, I mean, uh, Glover versus Harmon is an interesting uh, scenario because you might get a little bit lower ownership on Harmon, but... I don't I, like I don't think that Glover. you're going to, though. I think people are going to be on Harmon. Yeah, okay. Well, in, in that case, then, I mean, i definitely go Lucas Glover. I mean, if, if you're getting lower ownership between those two... I. I'd go, I'd go Glover. Uh, he's been really consistent all year. The putting stroke has picked up. Uh, like you said, it, it's a little bit different style course than Wyndham. It, Glover tends to like crap out at those birdie fests every now and then. Like either he's got it really going there or he doesn't. So it didn't really shock me that he didn't show up to the Wyndham. Um, this is the playoff sign. I, he's, he's been quality all year. I, I think you give, kind of give the nod to someone like Lucas Glover in that situation. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, he, he won his only major in the New York area at Beth Page, and I think Beth Page is actually another interesting corollary for those venues. So, uh, yeah, definitely clever for me there. Oh, fantastic news for Luke List this week, then, if it has any correlation <laughs> to Beth Page. Uh, how about any out of these, like, random guys that project to come in at low ownership, would you rather have Andrew Putnam, Kevin Kisner, Ryan Moore, or, let's say, Phil Mickelson? <laughs> Phil's interesting. He's not. He's interesting because you don't want to play him. Yeah, I don't want to play him, but it's it's the New York crowds, and Phil can just turn it around, right, on on a dime, and he might just show up for like a playoff event here and just and just throw in a good week. I'm still not playing him, but uh, I would take Putnam. Um, Moore and Kisner. Kisner interests me a little bit. Moore doesn't interest me at all. Uh, Moore's just kind of had that good run, and then just nothing. Uh, I, I feel like Putnam with with the good finish at the Open uh, played well. You know, for Spurs in Memphis, 
I like Blenheim this week. I, I would definitely lean him over those other guys. So the guy that I'm leaning towards that bunch is Kevin Kisner. He only has one top 20 this year, which I found stunning. I mean, two, if you yeah. include his uh, second place finish at the match play, which I guess we should. But he plays really well on bent. He putts really well on bent when he got his win at Colonial. That's where it was. You always think of him as more of a shorter course player. But I like him at these type of venues where you need to keep it in the fairway. You need to score on longer par fours, which despite being a short hitter, he does very well. His around the green game is suspect uh, and it used to be pretty good but his long approaches like on 200 yards plus has remained relatively uniform over the past three years he's really good with his long irons he's kind of, he's i mean webb simpson wasn't playing so well i'd kind of just say he was like a, a cheaper version of webb simpson obviously webb's way more consistent than kisner these days but there's not much difference between the two they kind of do a lot of the sim the same things well like like you said they're good with their long approaches uh they're good putters and, and kisner is actually i think statistically he's actually a better bent grass putter than he is on bermuda which always kind of shocks people um so yeah again I, i'd probably lean putnam just for a recent form but i, I don't hate kisner at all um again you got to pare down this range we've already talked about like six players but kisner if you're going to get him at one one percent ownership or something like that yeah absolutely i mean uh, i'd mix him into like a, a hundred lineups or something no question um do you, do you have any interest in like the Kevin Nas, the C woos of the world, Furyk Hadwin, like the very bottom end of the seven K? Because I I can't figure out one that I well, particularly love. I mean, I got one player I love. I'm all in on Emiliano Grillo this week. I mean, so it's like so so, so, so it's basically every week for you. <laughs> so your, te- I, I, I your teams like are your week. teams are just going to be Grillo and Louis. That, that's going to be it. <laughs> I'm going to try not to play Louis this week, but Grillo for sure. Um, I mean, look, the guy gave 12 strokes at the Barracuda last time out. Like he's first tee to green. Yes, he was 70 strokes putting, but we already talked off the top of the show. What do we want? We want to emphasize tee to green approaches, stuff like that this week. I love this setup for, for Grillo, man. I mean, it's, I know it's a tougher field and stuff like that, and it's not necessarily just going to play out. That he's going to lead the field in all these stats, but he's trending properly for it. Um, really consistent. He's actually been a really consistent playoff performer. His best finish in the playoffs was at the Barclays at Bethpage uh, a few years back. So um, played well at Bethpage again uh, at the PGA for, for three rounds. So I, I really like this price. I mean, again, I, this is like elite ball striking stats at 7K that you just don't get very often. So a, a lot of people all over Woodland for, for the kind of the same reasons. I, I think Grillo at 7K is actually like at least two or $300 underpriced. All right. We might have to give some special consideration to our main man, Emilio, but... I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull the trigger on that. <laughs> 6K range and below. Uh, of course, I'm going to play Corey Connors because I, I feel like I play Corey Connors almost every single week. He's gained strokes putting in two of 18 tournaments so far this year, but both are on bent grass, so that's always nice. But he's actually, for the season, top 10 in strokes gained tee to green, 6,500 bucks. Like, you need to take someone from down here. Um, you know, if it's not going to be a putt off, maybe he can just putt right around Ben and gained two strokes putting last week anything is possible here I mean look so, if Connors or Grillo just putt average this week they're probably going to finish like t8 right so I, I same deal with Connors I agree I mean he should be I think Connors should be really he, he might end up being popular I don't know but if he's under 10 percent, I'd still play him like he's a great player this week I, at least on this venue I think he sets up really well so. yeah so like the other guys I was looking at like we didn't mention Danny Willett I kind of like Danny Willett a bit here like with winning scores around like 9 10 11 under that's sort of the range that i want to be in with danny willett brennan grace fits that mold as well he's just not playing all that good but i don't know i'm trying to figure out the other guys that i like from down here and the only ones i can kind of muster an argument for your boy the triangle man 
Cameron Tringali, he's just playing well. Um, yeah, I always, no. I, I always somehow talk myself in Nick Watney, but he's like garbage. Vegas is the one that sticks out to me. He also has some baby swag. He withdrew on me at the Barracuda. That was no fun. But if we're talking distance, we're talking long approaches. He's better on Bermuda than Bent, generally speaking. But he's not bad on Bent either. It's Poa that really eats him up. Vegas is is interesting. He's shown flashes of like really just playing well, and then he's kind of sucked with rounds, and then he pulled out. So. Yeah, it might be a good sign that, you know, he's had the week or two off for, for the baby and he's not coming in like just it happened last week either. So I could kind of get behind that just as like a really low on play. I, I do like Tringali, though, a little bit better. Um, I, for me, the, the plays in this range was I was really looking at was Tringali and Connors. Might have been one other guy. Oh, I think Keith Mitchell. I know it's not Bermuda Greens, but Keith Mitchell uh, really started to, to play better towards the end of uh, WGC Memphis. So if somehow Corey Connors got like really, really – pumped up in ownership. I think just playing Keith Mitchell, who's similar style game is going over to him is fine. Um, Cause I do like him for the setup for a lot of the same reasons we like Connors. So. See, I think that instead of going to someone like Keith Mitchell, if we're talking similar style games, I think I would gravitate more towards someone like Aaron Wise, who continues to gain a bunch of strokes off the tee and the irons are really sporadic, but he tends to do his best work on long approaches. So, and even with these small greens, like he played really well with the US Open for three of the four rounds. The other round, let's not really talk about that one, but he's down here in pricing. He's super cheap. And I think he can score on this course a lot easier than a lot of other players down in this range. That's why I kind of talked about playing it like a WGC. Like if your guy misses the cut, you're going to lose money. Like that's just straight up. So you have to assume, let's say 35 to 40% get six to six through this week. Maybe that's way too high. Maybe I'm way off on that, but I think I'd rather play for the finishing points than just try to squeeze guys through the cut. I think that Aaron Wise is someone that can go out and score and finish higher up in the DraftKings scoring. 100%. I mean, Aaron Wise is, if you go and look at his birdie percentage and, and just birdie rate, it's, it's up there with the elite players. He just is so inconsistent. and makes a ton of bogeys, but you just got to get him through the weekend. Right. So um, definitely doable and in, in only 122 man field, obviously carries more risk. So, so take, take that into consideration. But I mean, if you're playing like one big tournament lineup or, or something like that, I mean, that's the kind of upside you want. So, um, yeah, I, I actually forgot he was, he was so cheap this week. Uh, it was, I got too excited about talking about Emiliano Grillo, but he was the other player around seven K. Uh, you need to definitely look at, um, just for, like you said, the upside purposes, um, amazing birdie rate. Um, sets, should set up pretty well for this. Like you said, uh, Aaron Wise definitely in play. Cameron Champ? Luke List? No, Pat. Uh, maybe List. Maybe List at 6,300. I, I admit, he played, he played a little bit better last week, and he's only 6,300. Another player, get him through the weekend, and he can probably pay off. And he's, he's so cheap, right? So. 12, 13, 14. Not Champ. And, Don't play and- Andrew Landry has gained with his irons in 13 of his past 14 rounds. Now, the problem is when you look at the tournaments that he's played, he played the Wyndham, he played the John Deere, the 3M, and the Rocket Mortgage. So that's not great as we talk about, like, quality of field. But if we say that these are – I mean, on bent grass, he tends to putt a little bit better. Uh, He was really good on his approaches from beyond 200 yards the past two tournaments, which is exciting to see. You hope he doesn't just drive into the fescue the entire time, like what would happen when I needed him to make the cut at the 3M and watch him live hit it into the fescue to miss the cut on his 36th hole. That was not a whole lot of fun. But the irons have just been absolute fire. He's gained over four and a half strokes on approaches in each of his past two tournaments. He's super cheap. I don't think that anyone really wants a piece of him, but he's also someone that played really well at Augusta this year, too. Landry and Bryce Garnett 
No, no, no. Bryce Garnett, it's almost like clockwork. He's going to play well at the OHL. He's going to play well at anything in like the Dominican Republic or Mexico, the Heritage, the Sony, and Wyndham. That's like the the Bryce Garnett yeah. uh, the five sub. Just play him in those tournaments, and you're good. Yeah, I was just going to say Garnett and Landry kind of similar story. They're they're tearing up these birdie fests. Um, I'd much rather take Landry over Garnett though for for reasons you kind of outlined. Uh, the, the ball striking with Landry has been really consistent. So um, he might not like like you said he he probably doesn't have the distance off the tee to like get himself in contention, but I could definitely see him like making the cut and, and sticking around with top 25 or something just because he's playing really well. Um, I would probably just rather try and get up to Aaron Wise or just go down to, to Tringali or Connors personally because I feel like the setup is, is going to benefit those guys a little bit more. Um, but Landry's in play. I mean, he from this range that we're looking at, unless you want to take like a Hail Mary with like J.B. Holmes or something, I think I'd probably just play Landry, so. Trying to look at who the most highest projected players are right now. Tringali is actually carrying the most ownership in the 6K range mm-hmm. as of right now. Uh, and then it's Von Taylor, then Vegas, then Connors, and Seb Straka. Those are the only guys above 5%. I'm not talking about like carrying a ton of ownership. I'm talking about like 8%. Yeah. But above 5%, those are the five guys right now. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. I, I was a little surprised Connors is a little bit higher. But, I mean, if you can get Connors, like I said, anything under – like 8% or something. I still think it's a really good play. Um, Martin Laird's been playing okay. I still like Russell Hanley, although it's it's not like a must play or anything. But I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, it is what it is. I mean, if you're playing a guy like Luke List or, or um, anyone under like 65K, like Harold Varner III, I mean, the upside is there for these guys to just click it on. We've seen it in the past that, you know, a, a player like HV3 or, or List can just pop up and, and you know, T12 or something this week and, and get themselves in contention for the playoffs because it happens every year. So the talent is there, and, and that's part of the reason why I like, like Brooks Kepka because even like a guy like Matt Jones or, or Adam Shank down there, who actually I, I don't mind Shank this week, um, or Troy Merritt. I mean, these are all quality players we've seen contend at some point this year. Um, mixing them up with like a, a heavily stacked Brooks Kepka lineup. I, I think there's a lot of merit to that this week. Joel Damon, your, your guy down there too, I should mention. Yeah. But I think that if you're going to go to this, like Corey Connors, I think rates out the best across the board. Like he is yeah. the most consistent ball striker that you're going to find in this range. That's why I am drawn towards him down here. I know he can't putt, but all these guys do something really, really poorly. And if it's going to be putting, at least that tends to be a bit flukier than the guy that can't drive the ball more than 280 yards. So we're looking at like specific skill sets down here like the gooch is a fantastic iron player that's about all he is good at he's the cheapest guy in the field at six thousand dollars like if you want to gamble on that i don't think that i'm going to but i think that logically makes some sense if that's something that you want to go luke list and cameron champ they're both top 10 in driving distance uh of any players in these field if that's the one thing that you really emphasize i think you go with something like that uh you know scott stallings the best player from the sand there's 90 bunkers on this course jeff it's a lot Joel Damon, the best player in the field from beyond 200 yards. Harold Werner, number five in that category. Yeah, and, and I think of, of all the players I mentioned, or maybe of all the stats we just mentioned, that's probably what I'd emphasize the most. And uh, HV3, um, Joel Damon, probably like at the top of my list, quite frankly, for the, uh, the sub-65 crowd. Um, Damon made the cut last week. HV3 has kind of been hit or miss, but um, like I said, they, they both – have the skill set and the the ability, in my opinion, to pop up an event like this. And again, it's not a birdie fest, it's not a putter, putting fest this week. So I think that does favor those two players. 
the only other one I'm really looking at, like Graham McDowell is really good on holes from 400 to 450 yards. He's not bad with the long irons, but he also makes so many putts that it kind of skews those numbers a little bit. Now, Marty Laird is coming in, playing some pretty good golf beyond last week. He was not good last week, but he's like 11th in greens and regulation gained against this field. Connors is actually number one, and Cameron Tringali is 13th. So it's going to be really tough to parse the guys in the $6,000 range. Hence the giveaway of who are your two favorite guys down here. So who are your two favorite guys? Mine are Connors. I'm going to say Wise in the $6,000 area. Um, are we just talking under 65 or under, under 7? Under 7. Under 7, it would be Wise and Connors. Yeah, so we're both on the same page. Great. Those guys are going to suck this week. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on the Northern Look Trust? Together, buddy. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> not really. I mean, it, it is, like I said, like we were kind of talking about. I mean, I just feel like it's a good event to to really actually take a look at those guys under 6,500 this week because, um, A, you can make great lineups and, and, and some of them will pop. Um, yeah, it, it's you can kind of play consider playing it like a WGC, I guess. I mean, I guess that's kind of the approach I'm, I'm advocating taking. Um, obviously you can still make balanced lineups, but um, you don't have to worry as much about the cut line. And yeah, I don't know. I just generated some lineups for myself here of all the guys that I've starred during the course of this, my, my 20 lineups with 15 guys in them. Got a lot of Brooks lineups. I'm not going to lie to you as it turned out. I'm, I'm Brooks is, you're not, we are going to have to monitor the, the ownership percentage on Brooks. I mean, I, I I don't think it's going to get crazy. I, I feel like 12K will we'll keep them down and enough people just gravitate towards going balanced that uh, it won't get nuts. But um, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, if he gets overly popular, obviously you could, you could think about maybe balanced will be like the contrarian play this week. I don't know. There's definitely a lot of different scenarios you can go there. But I think with those guys like Cantlay, Webb coming in so hot, I think most people are just going to play like two of those. And, and, and kind of just not play as many of the top players. So you probably have really low ownership on Dustin and, and Rory too. So, I mean, right now is I look at the top five in terms of ownership, what it's telling me right now that Rom will be the highest owned from above $10,000. Then it will right. be Rory, then Brooks, then Dustin, then Justin Thomas. And Thomas and Dustin are like down around 10%. Oh, good. Good for you, Justin Thomas. Like good for Brooks. I mean, if, you, if he's coming in even second in, in that range, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll play him. All right. Any final thoughts about the Northern Trust then? Anything else we did not mention? I think we mentioned it all. I mean, yeah. Hopefully Ricky wins. I don't know. Hopefully. Who are you? Who are you? Feinberg? <laughs> I guess for this weekend. Did Feinberg bet Ricky? Or did he, no. I bet. He, he was all triggered about Ricky's pricing. Is that he was still like 22 to 1 in this field. He's like, he should be 33 to 1. I don't know. I like it. Do you have any bets so far, Ray? Yeah, I bet uh, Ricky, I bet uh, Benny Ann, and I bet Finau at uh, 50 to 1 or 45 to 1. I mean, just play that as your lineup. You should be good to go, at least from a contrarian perspective. Yeah, I mean, apparently. I, I, we'll see what Finau gets up to. But yeah, if, if, if you know, I, I like sub 15% Tony Finau, that's for sure. Yeah, and you're most definitely going to get him at sub 15% this week. All right, at yeah. the Fantasy Grind on the Twitter machine, DK Live, DK Playbook. What else you got coming up? Yeah, I got a website going up now. So we're going to be, I'm going to be building it and designing it as I go, but there's already articles up there. I got a, like, like I said, betting preview up there. So go click it. I'll have a ton of football stuff up there too. So I'm just pounding out the content as I teach myself how to make a better website. So go check it out. So I'm guessing this is a pretty quality looking website that you're trying this for the first time. Oh, it's not bad. I mean, hey, it, it works. I mean, I'm just clicking articles, bad. I'm just throwing content out there. I like, People listen. Just- that, that, that's all that's all i do just just spew content and then someone may approach that's exactly what i'm doing 100 
Yeah, see, if you produce so much content, people can't discern what's good and what's bad, and it turns out it's just all bad. And then they're like, yeah, no one even cares at this point. Anyway, thank you for being on the line. I'm Pat May. You can find my cheat sheet up on dkplaybook.com later on Tuesday evening. My betting cheat sheet will be released on Wednesday. Probably no first-round leaders this week because I will be in America. I can't bet in America, although I can use the DraftKings Sportsbook because I'll be in New Jersey, so maybe I'll do that. Open up my account because I haven't been to New Jersey in a very long time. Open that up and get on the go there. Other than that, check out the show for Monday. Become a member at FantasyNational.com today. And that will do it for me. Follow me on Instagram at the PME if you want to follow me and track to see what I'm up to at the Northern Trust on Wednesday if I get to talk to any of the players. All right? Pat Mayo, thanks for watching. Good luck this week. I'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.